Hey everyone, Chris Falco here. Just before we get into this week's podcast, wanted to mention that because when we were recording with people being out in the country, the internet wasn't that great. So for the first 10 minutes, you're going to hear the audio be a little bit choppy. At that point, we stopped the video feed and just kept the audio and everything smoothed out. So the podcast sounds fantastic after the first 10 minutes, but we were not going to cut it out because we had a great start to the discussion with Rod Peterson. It's the Weekly Harvest, episode 25. Thanks for listening. The Weekly Harvest, an in-depth look at the Brandon Weekings and the WHL. Washman trying to come up with it for Allison. Here's Allison right in front. He scores! Brandon Junior Hockey fans, you've waited two decades for this. In the league's 50th anniversary, your Wheat Kings are the champions. And we are live. Good evening. Welcome to another edition of the Weekly Harvest Podcast. My name is Chris Falco with the Brandon Wheat Kings. He is Brandon Crow, voice of the Wheat Kings. Crow, how are you doing tonight, bud? I'm good, Chris. It's hot. It's summertime. And uh, it's hard to believe that uh, it's already almost July. Uh, but uh, certainly looking forward to episode 25, as always, the Weekly Harvest. A proud presentation uh, in partnership with the Wheat Kings, uh, Westman Communications Group, and Q Country Radio. Uh, we want to first and foremost say uh, for all of your storm and weather updates, uh, keep it locked to Q Country Radio, both online and on the air. I know the on-air staff have been doing a great job, especially Dan last night, uh, keeping everybody in the loop with what's going on. Road closures, uh, flooded streets, uh, down power lines, things like that. So, And then even right now... Rough the next couple of days, but... Uh, and sorry, I was going to say, and even right now, as we record this, people are going to hear, just, just so you know as well, and we talked about your, your internet feed, it is a little bit choppy because there's a lot even starting right now. There's some more storms kind of brewing, um, so... I'm getting some warnings popping up here on my computer as I talk about this as well. So it's going to be a very interesting night uh, and a couple of days worth of storms here uh, coming throughout. So stay safe, everyone. And uh, yeah, stay stay tuned to local radio to Q Country and Star FM and do our best to keep you informed of what's going on. If I do uh, end up disappearing for a couple minutes, it's because I'm out in the country and my internet is poor. Uh, it's still pretty sunny out right now, but I may disappear for a bit and then I'll just jump back in. So uh, we are happy and excited and a little bit nervous uh, to have Rod Peterson on the show this week, episode 25. Rod is a Western Canadian broadcasting legend, uh, longtime voice of the Riders, the Pats, uh, a little bit of time with the Prince Albert Raiders as well, and he's currently hosting his own show, which has taken off like a rocket, especially due to the COVID. Everybody's at home and has time to watch the RP show, which uh, I know is available on Facebook and every other medium. Uh, our guest this week, Rod Peterson. I'll tell you what, going in uh, honestly, a lot better than you guys. It sounds like we haven't had weather like that at all. <laughs> We've had nice rain like you, Brandon. I'm from a farm background, so the farmers are uh, kind of clicking their heels. And, you know, a lot of my friends and family are saying COVID, they, you know, how our lives have all been turned upside down. A lot of the farmers and ranchers, not one bit of difference. So it's been good for them. So it's been good weather and uh, aside from COVID, a pretty good summer, to be honest. You have kind of started off with, you know, this new show. And I, I think you guys are, are you guys a, a one year in fully now? June 3rd was the one year anniversary. So uh, yeah, just passed the year. So how, talk, let's talk about that because a lot of people, some people may not know in Manitoba. I know it's a very... Uh, a lot of people thought at, at first it was going to be a very Saskatchewan-centric, you know, podcast slash show. But you know, I, I watch regularly, and I find that 
The best part about the Rod Peterson Show is you guys cover sports that every other major network ignores. You get CIS, the Western Hockey League, and all the other good stuff. So how did that all come about? Uh, a lot of it, Brandon, and I appreciate you saying that, was <laughs> we didn't really know what we were doing when we started. It was literally uh, just going to go on the air every day and have fun for two hours, and then everything kind of grew. I think if we tried to plan it, it wouldn't work out as well as it, it had. But I mean, through my friendships, Darren DuPont's friendships, my co-host, and then Clark Monroe, who's our producer who you've dealt with because he's booked you on the show he's worked for the rough riders the estevan bruins and the regina pat so it literally became all of our friends together on a daily basis just talking sports and you mentioned tsn and sports that they don't do the coverage anymore like they used to and i know we're going to get into the stories of when the weak kings and prince albert raiders were on tsn game six and seven of the 95 east final like that used to happen would blow people's minds it doesn't anymore for whatever reason the networks don't talk about our leagues so what grew as sort of just a coffee session every day amongst myself darren and our friends grew to what it is now where you know you got just in the past week to 10 days warren moon chris pronger um Lionel mcdonald's coming on on thursday <laughs> like it just it just mushroomed and, and the one thing with the cfl players that we have we didn't realize when we bring on a john chick even though he's a writer legend, it resonated in Hamilton and Edmonton where he also played. And we never expected that, right? But all of a sudden, we're seeing our viewership spike in those markets. Or Richie Hall, we bring him on. Well, Bomber fans are excited, you know? So you just you didn't really realize Saskatchewan is kind of an epicenter for, for sports um, and obviously hockey. I mean, I don't think Saskatchewan gets its due for the – how big of a hockey province that it is. And and then, and then you know, just the fun rivalry with Winnipeg and Brandon that I've had over the years. It just happened that our numbers were big in those markets. Well, I don't know if they were waiting to see what I was going to say <laughs> or, or why, but I think they just enjoyed the sports talk that we do. And, we you know, we mix in a lot of weekends and tons of farmer talk. So it, it, we didn't plan it, Brandon. I guess that's the long answer to this, but I sure like the way that it's gone. So going into some of the classic rivalry stories, of course, I think people were a little bit surprised, just again, you know, with, with your history on the Saskatchewan side of things about you agreeing even to come on the Week King podcast. But in all of the, in all of the years, what are some of the more memorable Week King Pat experiences that immediately come to your mind? Well, very few of them were good. Uh, from, <laughs> from our perspective. Well, they had to be enjoyable uh, in some it, cases. Yeah. Well, I got to... No, no, they, they there were some. But I, I got to tell you guys this and your viewers. My association and my family's association with the Weekings goes back a really long time. And it just dawned on me this week because you guys won't probably even know this name, that a guy reached out to my wife on a business deal by the name of Glenn Dufresne. Does that mean anything to you guys? Glenn Skippy Dufresne? Oh, Yeah. Okay, so he writes my wife on a business deal. He's in Kelowna, and he says, oh, I first met your son, your your husband when he was 15 years old in camp with the Wheat Kings. Now, my dad was scouting for the Wheat Kings at the time. Doug Slaughter was the coach, and Kelly McCrimmon was the assistant. But that's how far I go back with the Wheat Kings. And so Glenn Dufresne, I can't believe he remembered. And Trevor Kidd was a rookie that year. He's the same age as me. Kevin Shevelday off Terry Yates. Uh, all those guys. So 
I didn't always have a rivalry with the Weekings. And so I was, th- I, I figured you would talk about old time Pat's Weekings stories. And it wasn't good because pretty much every time, every time we went to Brandon, it was an absolute ass kicking, if I can say <laughs> that. Like, I know you have young, young viewers, but we just knew from a, from a Regina side, and your fans will get a kick out of this, I would think, and form a staff. We knew going into Brandon, it wasn't going to be a welcoming environment. We're not, we're not like there. We know that. We're probably going to get a call against us real early. We can going to get a power play. And they always had a deadly power play. You know, the Peter Schaefer's of the world and the Brian McCabe's of the world. And you guys know the names. So all of a sudden you're down one, two, nothing, five minutes in a game. You don't have a chance. We're usually coming home down, having lost seven, two, or eight, one. So I'll skip past that to probably the most legendary playoff series. One of the most legendary series I've ever been involved in was Clint Nor was a Pat and Jordan Tutu was a Wheat King. And the Wheat Kings ended up, and I apologize, I don't even know if, I think it was a five-game series, 2000. Two, I believe, and uh, you guys would know the years better of these guys maybe than I do. Or when Tutu was in was in Brandon, but <laughs> I didn't like Tutu because of the way he was running around. You know, he was the WHL darling, and he could do whatever he wanted. That's how we looked at it. And you know, he was running roughshod on the Pats, and and I thought he deserved some five game majors. And I don't think Krim was coaching the Weekings at the time. I think he was just the GM. And I, you know, Brandon, where the general manager's box is in the press box at the Kiso, or what was the Kiso Center, it's like 30 feet down from the visitor's <laughs> radio booth. So, Kelly, I'm very loud when I call a game. And Kelly came bursting down the box, and the door flew open into my booth, and he's like, what freaking game are you watching? Because <laughs> he was listening to everything I was saying. And I remember covering my mic or, like, turning off the mic, I turned back and I said, I don't see your name on my checks, Krim. <laughs> he didn't laugh. He like slammed the door in a huff and went back to his seat. And uh, I do remember that uh, Tutu had our darling lined up, Matt Hubber, on what I would say was like a 20-feet charge. And just when Hubber looked, caught him out of the corner of his eye, Hubby put his elbow up and tattooed Tutu here. And he ended up getting suspended for it. And he was right in front of Rick Dirksen. And I'm like... I'm screaming, he's defending himself, you know. So, but anyways, it wasn't much of a series. The Wheat Kings won it in five, but those aren't good memories, Chris, <laughs> from our from our perspective. <laughs> so it was literally, you know, with the Warriors, we'd lose some, we'd win some. The Blades, same thing. You weren't beating Brandon. So you wonder why we didn't like them very much. And then the other thing was Bobby Lowe's, who... You know, I would like to, if the Lowe's family was watching right now, I'll apologize. It was not never personal. I just wanted to win really bad. Brandon, I assume you do too. I just really wanted to win. And I knew that as long as Kelly and Bob were running the show, we were never going to (laughs) win. And even after Bobby left, we didn't win. And um, so I remember when the Pats hired Lowe's in 2002, he had the contract worked out and everything with Brent Parker the general manager of the Pats at the time. And I guess Bobby turned to Brent and goes, okay, everything's worked out. But the one big thing, and Brent's like, what? Well, you're a radio guy. We hate each other. How's this going to work? And Brent was like, well, 
you're on our side now, Bobby. He's fine. You're, you're good, which he was. But Bobby and I had to shake hands like men and get over anything that there was. And then we were fine. So it was never personal, guys. It was just a it was just a big rivalry. Well, that's like Brian Munns. He said last week on the show that in Prince Albert, in his five years with the Raiders, he may have called five wins, <laughs> period, against Brandon. So I totally uh, get it. I, I mean, when I'm looking at, you know, your career, and, and I've kind of obviously followed you being in Saskatchewan doing football with the U of S, I had asked you for some help early on. You sent me some spotting boards and everything. I didn't know the first thing about football, so I kind of listened to you and Carm religiously trying to get a feel for it so that the U of S could – you know, at least make it seem like they had a radio guy that they knew what was going on. But for you and, you know, the way you've gone about your career and, and, you know, obviously you found yourself in some hot water, political correctness, but you've never really wavered. You've just gone about it and done your thing. How, when did that kind of come to your mind and say, you know what, I'm just going to be me. I'm not going to conform to all these kind of parallels and people want me to stay on between the white lines i'm going to do what i want and say what i want and and when did that moment click in and say that's what i'm going to do can i ask you if you've listened to me for that long when do you think that it was oh boy it was before i started listening i think (laughs) (laughs) um it's it's tough and that's why i find where i am now um i've been out of that rider job in a year and a half and i took for a year and a half and i told people when i left i'm not pursuing a play-by-play job anymore and people can't believe it i think i'm better off where i am now because i was just doing what i'm doing talking sports every day because the teams have really changed in terms of what they the t- their broadcaster they kind of want to control everything that they say and i just remember in pa because I had played the game, coached the game, ref the game. I thought I had a pretty good handle on the game of hockey. And I remember Don Clark, our coach, who's Wendell's brother, and the general manager, Dale Engel, they were always pulling me aside, ripping me for things that I said on the air. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, well, you question our decision to pull the goalie. You question our power play. You question this on the air. How are you going to do this? Are you on our team or are you on your own team? And at that, when I was 20, Brandon, that was a long time ago. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to be on your team, but can we at least talk about this and give my thoughts? They weren't interested in my thoughts. <laughs> so I, uh, I did say to them, listen, you didn't hear it. So you're hearing it from your wife. You're hearing it from a billet. You're he- whoever you're hearing it, but you didn't hear it. So I'm going to say what I'm going to say. And if you want to go listen to the tape and come to me with what I said, I'm okay with that. But don't ever come to me with hearsay because people hear what they want to hear. So I just I was kind of pushing back when I was 20. Um, but I've had a lot of chat. I mean, look, the bus miles that you spend and meal times and downtime in a hotel lobby. We had a lot of time to talk about this stuff, right? The coaches and the broadcasters and even the players. And, um, you know, I guess one other, you know, a lot of this was form when I was in PA. And I remember Shane Toporowski, if you guys remember that name. Um, stopped me on the bus and he's like, Hey, my family said that you said I lost the fight last night, that I got my ass kicked. I, and I said, You did. And he's, Well, you didn't have to say it. <laughs> and I said, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. And it, and until the day that I walked out of CKRM as voice of the writers a year and a half ago, I guess to answer your question, Brandon, because of people like you and Chris, if you ever listened, I got too much respect for the listeners to lie to them uh, or, or at the very least 
Lauren Mulliken pulled me aside when he was coaching the Pats in 2001. And he said, you need to tell things from a Pats point of view. And I said, can you, t- what is that? And he goes, well, if we're getting screwed by the refs, you need to say we're getting screwed by the refs. I always looked at it from a Pat's point of view. I'm not sitting here saying I was right all the time, but that's how I felt. So I guess I never went on the air and, and would li- I would never lie about anything, I guess. So if Krim and I saw a game two different ways. I would say a Pat's fan and a Wheat Kings fan saw that same game two different ways. Oh, 100%. Right? There is, right. yeah, hundred so, percent, yeah. and 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 so, and to answer your question, I have listened. My history with listening to you is not as extensive as, as Crow. I grew up in Manitoba, so I grew up with you know being a Bomber fan, and of course being a Leaking fan. I remember first listening when I when I uh, took broadcasting college. I went to Saskatoon, and then one other time. We caught it at the perfect time. We were driving into league business meetings in Regina, and uh, and, and we and we caught you on at the time. And it was right when you were talking about the Wee Kings, and it was perfect because we're driving in the Wee King truck, <laughs> driving through rival territory, and we hear you talking about us. We're like, oh, this is awesome. But you didn't say anything too too bad, so we couldn't <laughs> we couldn't get too upset. But we were we were ready and waiting when it it, it, it didn't turn out that way. Uh, it's always super fun though. I don't know, like I always love the rivalry games. It just always brings out extra fun and even the fans online and i know that sometimes it can, it can get really negative and dark but our fan base in the last couple years a couple in particular they've been doing some like really f- like fun little contests with like like their twitter and facebook avatars changing it back and forth kind of like stretching out and making it more of the fun rivalry uh you know like to those guys as they say kudos they're they're kind of doing it the right way because rivalries are more fun in hockey and when it gets more passionate like that and you get people seeing the game two different ways that's when it gets really fun and it makes you want to go back again. Well, and, and by the way, Al Gibbs is watching and he just texted me. So, uh, <laughs> of hey, course Al. he is. Of course he is. <laughs> of course he is. So yeah, Al, you just made me lose my train of thought. Now, other than to say that, um, the rivalries aren't the same now as they were back then. And maybe it's because of social media, but I don't necessarily think it is that because there were still message boards in the nineties. There was still the internet. We're not, we're not talking prehistoric stuff when we first started doing this. But people's feelings get hurt a lot more now than they yeah. did. I mean, mine, mine don't. You can't hurt me. But not everybody's like that. And sometimes I forget when I crack the mic and say the things that I say that maybe I am hurting somebody's feelings, but I don't really care. But somebody's, you know, these days, somebody's going to call your boss and try and get you fired. <laughs> you know, like back in the... It, I'll give you a great example. I was doing a dinner with Theron Fleury in uh, Delisle last summer. And Theo stood up, guys, if you can believe. Now, the, the Weeking Sportsman's dinner aside, could you believe that anybody could do a, a, a sports banquet and stand up for 45 minutes and tell junior hockey stories and have the room in the palm of your hand? Because Theo did. It's tough. It's, it's tough. It's, it's tough. Theo got up. And he introduced himself to the crowd. This is last summer. And he goes, guys, I used to be in charge of the marketing for the Moose Jaw Warriors in the 80s. And people were like, what? <laughs> he goes, oh, yeah. I'd say one thing in the Regina Leader post about that meathead in Regina, Stu Grimson. I'd sell out <laughs> both buildings on a Friday, Saturday night. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> when, when I was getting hell for all these things I was saying, I'm like, the ring's so low. <laughs> Like, what is, what, what, what's the problem here? And then as time went along with the riders, this was a particular uh, rivalry we had with the Eskimos. 
you know, within the last five years, let's put it this way. The coach called me and said, listen, would you mind stop talking so much noise and trash talking all week? Like, Jesus, you're making our job a lot harder. And I said, go out and beat them. I'm only talking like this because I believe in you guys. If I didn't think (laughs) you could beat them, I wouldn't be talking like this. And then the riders went out and beat them. But I thought, this isn't as much fun anymore if I don't have these guys on my side. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's because back back in the day, you'd get on the bus after a game, riders or pats, and the coaches would already know what you said because somebody's texting them. And they're like fist bumping you and patting you on the – they loved it. And now it's not like that. It's just not – I don't know where it changed. I don't think I changed. I think the game changed, so I don't know that we'll ever see these those days again. I get a kick out of it. Uh, Mickey McCrimmon, Kelly's son, uh, who's you know still a part of the organization in, in kind of an advisory-type role and uh, spent some time as the assistant GM to Grant Armstrong my first year with the hockey club. I remember him pulling me aside one time, and he said, okay, look, I'm going to give you a piece of advice. When you're in your booth at the Keystone Center, take a peek up to my dad's suite. If he's sitting there and watching the game and you can see him, Say whatever you want. <laughs> if you can't see him, he's listening. <laughs> so careful what you say. And what you know what? It was uh, funny advice. at the time. But I, I said to Mick, "Oh yeah, you know what? Your dad's never. You know, I, I'm. I, I, I'm. I respect every bit of opinion. But he's always been very good about any feedback, criticism. And I think it was about two nights later, I'd said something. And my Pete and I were talking about something. We were completely out in left field, wrong about something. And I remember Kelly. It, his name popped up on my phone, and it, it took everything I had not to just throw my phone onto the ice. I didn't even want to open the message because I knew that Pete and I were just so far off the topic of where we should have been. And all he was saying, he was just making a joke about, you morons, you guys got it all wrong. Like, straighten it out. Here's the facts and <laughs> whatever. Which, but which ever- by the way, I would appreciate. What bothers me the most is when they don't tell you. Yeah, they let you, you suffer. Know- he, he heard us struggling through this story and yeah. felt bad about it and sent us a message. We were talking about the fog game in between Medicine Hat and Vancouver, and then there was a game between Philadelphia and Buffalo or something, and we were completely bass-ackwards on this story. And he could just he could see the ship sinking and bailed us out. But ever since then, whenever I saw his name pop up on my phone during a game, there was a little bit of panic. And it's still, to that day, a little bit of panic. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. And I... It's, it's a double, it's, you know, this is a real broadcaster's episode, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I remember saying a player in the playoffs a number of years ago was, was invisible tonight. And I got a text from the GM that I was being too hard on the player. I'm like, but he is. What do you, what do you want me to say? <laughs> you know, so um, it's just funny that Kelly would do that. You know, a guy that did that for me too, by the way, is John Paddock. And I wasn't even voice of the Pats in John's time. But he listened to my talk show all the time, and he would text me the corrections, which I appreciated. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I'd rather somebody bail look, me out. <laughs> you don't want to look like a fool. So maybe that's why John and Kelly are close friends. I don't know. Maybe it's a Manitoba thing. But again, I, I don't mind being corrected. I want to get the right info out there. I got some breaking news. I don't know if you guys are following along. I wish I had your little gong that you've got on your desk. Uh, Ding, ding, ding. Breaking news. Uh, The city of Prince Albert has carried a motion, five to four, that the city will purchase land southeast of the city for $6.5 million with plans to build a rec complex for $60 million. Provincial and federal money, $44 million. The city will have to come up with $16 million 
and the city of Prince Albert has council has voted in favor of starting the process for a new building. So uh, breaking news on the weekly harvest uh, being tweeted out by Ali Sandstrom, a reporter up in PA. But uh, Rod, you spent some time with the Raiders. What does that mean to you when you hear that oh. uh, come off uh, the, the hot wire? <laughs> that makes my heart sing, but I got to tell you something, Brandon, the Raiders brought me back three years ago, probably to speak at their breakfast. And it was in the, the the chess leech room, if that means anything, upstairs off the media room. And uh, I said, you know, this you guys need a new rink here. And just remind, this was three years ago. And the breakfast was sold out. And people just kind of looked at me. These are all my buddies from 25 years ago when I was up there. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They knew they weren't going to get a new rink. It wasn't even a topic at the time. And then the Raiders go to the league final. You, you guys were following it. And they couldn't cram another soul into that building <laughs> yeah. with a crowbar. <laughs> and, you know, people are standing on milk crates. And that became their thing, right? The milk crate thing with the Raiders. And all of a sudden, this talk of a new rink. And I'm like, two years ago, you didn't even want one. You, didn't, you, didn't, you haven't filled this place for 20 years. And now it's a thing. And the sad thing was this year, the Raiders were romping to potentially another pennant, oh, maybe another 100%. league title. I mean, that's, they really got robbed. <laughs> what did they get robbed? And I wanted to see how Max Paddock, how the story was going to end. Maybe we've got to wait till next year. But anyways, I've said guys, and you've been to PA, you Brandon many times. They're like little Montreal. They love the team win or tie. If they, if you lose, it's not good. <laughs> they love you. They love you win or tie in PA. And when you're the voice of the team, you know it really means something. So they'd be throwing a parade tonight in PA if they're, if they're getting a new rank, which is what it sounds like. Well, and it's not like I have a whole bunch of insider info, but I, I, I do know this. It is, is a lot more than just a rink. It is, uh, from what I've heard, it's going to be more of a complex, right? So it's going to be the yeah. whole community thing. It's a multi-aspect thing. Um, a lot of you know, a lot of that be released, but very interesting for the community. And, and with that, you kind of look at the Keystone Center and kind of think how many more years it's going to have yeah. i mean still still a great building rod out of all the whl buildings i know the keystone in terms of age it, it, it is getting up there but i mean as a facility with the heritage is there something still special about it even though being as as as, as old as it is oh yeah but i mean it's it's memories of course but i mean i get shivers i every time i hear a train horn <laughs> i shudder <laughs> Like if I'm close to it, because <laughs> do I need to go back? I mean, the, the Pats and the Wheat Kings didn't meet a lot, as I mentioned, but in the Raiders and and, and Wheat Kings did a lot when I was there. So um, the train horn, the PA announcer, which I don't think you have anymore. You used to have the, the white haired guy, um, Bobby Bulldog, bro. You know, Ray the, Walker. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was. Bef- I think it was before Ray's. Ray, the guy now. No, well, sometimes Chris is actually doing ninety percent of the games now. Yeah, I've been, I've been, you, well, okay. I've been doing You're, it for, for yeah, just for the last few seasons. It, it, it was a great, great guy named Mike Adamski. He was a local uh, principal uh, right. who was uh, sadly and tragically uh, just passed away a couple of seasons ago. Um, oh, no. But uh, yeah, he was uh, he was a fantastic, fantastic guy. Um, anyway, and we even uh, now we, we we have a yearly award at our at our award ceremony. We have named after him, uh, and we do a scholarship as well uh, through his high school uh, to a deserving student. Um, really trying to trying to recognize him. But yeah, anyway, he passed away just a couple of seasons ago. 
And uh, so after that, um, I was I was the backup guy. I would just fill in for him. I mean, I have enough going on on game days, but uh, it's it's a very tough gig to try to try to replace. And luckily, Ray Walker, he was the guy. I guess back back in the nineties, he did do it for for quite a while. And now he's in town with the uh, Wheat City Whiskey Jacks. He's actually the GM of the local baseball club, um, who aren't playing this season, but will hopefully be back next season. And uh, yeah, so he started doing some backup games this year, and hopefully get him back up there in the booth uh, some more time next year. Well, sometimes, sometimes I just wonder if, if teams realize how huge a part of their game night, the atmosphere, the PA announcer is. <sighs> well, I, don't, you... I, don't, I don't really know who the guy was in Brandon. I just know he had a great voice, and I heard it way too much <laughs> announcing those goals. <laughs> um, you know, the name, Colin Kluche, Chris Dingman, Andre Vasilevsky, Brian McCabe, like, I'm sorry, Darren Van Owen. I can go on and on and on, and I just heard his name far too much. Plus, we played them in Winnipeg in Winnipeg Arena a couple times, too, which was one of the loudest arenas I've ever been in my life. Somehow they transported the horn from Brandon to Winnipeg, (laughs) and they played it in Winnipeg Arena, and we lost that series, too. So, yeah. I got some bad news for you, though, uh, Roddy. I'm following the Twitter feed on this Raiders stuff. One of the counselors that voted against it said, how come Raiders alumni like Leon Dreisaitl or Mike Medano don't contribute some of their millions to helping build this facility? They say Robin Regeer helped build the rink in Warman, Raiders and their alumni should chip in. So expect a letter in the mail, Rod. You may have to pay for the press box. <laughs> what was that council person's name? Did you uh, have it? Last name is Noah Selsky. Uh, I don't. I Dwayne don't know Noah Selsky is what. His but name I think is. it's Dwayne Noah Selsky. Um, hey, you you don't think I don't think NHLers should contribute to their junior community? Believe me, I lead that parade, but they just don't. And by the way, they're not living in that town paying taxes. So it's no. <laughs> Dwayne Novakelski. I believe it's Dwayne. You tell me whether, because I know him. I'm kind of surprised that he would take that stance. Um, forget about the players. Forget about the, the players. There was a rumor that Daryl Cates, the owner of the Oilers, was going to fund himself a new arena in PA because his dad's from there. And the original Rexall Drugs was in PA. I know this is a Wheat Kings podcast, not a Raider podcast, but don't be surprised if you hear somewhere down the line that Daryl Cates throws some change at this new rink in PA. Forget about the players. I mean, I'd like to see it too, but it's their money. They can do what they want with it. Just a heads up for the viewers on the YouTube channel. Were they... Audio is sounding a lot better now that we've just cut the video from the feed, at least. So, I mean, with this being a podcast, we'll, we'll sacrifice showing the video and just keep the discussion going. But just a heads up, that's why the video's not there. Great. We just ruined Al's night. He probably had the projector up in the backyard with the bed sheet. He pulled it off his bed. His wife's just sleeping on the mattress tonight because he's got the bed sheet up on the on the stilts. He's calling the twins out. There. He's calling the twins out. You got to hear what he just said. Are you still <laughs> hearing us, Al? Text me. Hit me. <laughs> Yes. Still listening. Yeah, we talk about buildings, Rod, PA, and Brandon being old and historic. Now, one of my favorite all-time Rod Peterson stories—I've heard it probably a dozen times and from different people. Uh, but my aunt and uncle live in Swift Current. They lived in Swift Current for a long time and uh, have been season ticket holders right underneath the press box. They sit a few rows underneath the press box, so they don't stand and they're not part of the crew that bangs on the press box, but. There was a night back in the early 2000s where you may have needed a police escort to leave the Credit Union Iplex. Uh, fans love to hear it. Uh, let's go through that night again. I needed a police escort into the Iplex and out. <laughs> so you uh, you know this, Brandon. You know you know how... Chris, have you been there, by the way? Uh, yes, once. Just, 
Swifty? Okay. Yeah. So I had been putting up with this since 93 when I started doing games in that rink as the visiting radio guy. And it went all the way up to 07, 08 when this incident occurred. The fans, they beat on the side of the bottom, or the bottom, whatever. And it sounds literally like the walls are coming in. Like it sounds like you're under attack. It's, it's uncomfortable. So by 07, I believe that was the year. Uh, no, it was, it was, oh, yeah, it was 07. We went in there. Um, the Pats, <clears throat> I figured that we were going to win that game, come home and win it in game six and not have to go back to Swift Current. So I said, I finally had enough of these fans. So it was two hours before the game. I said to the trainer, you know those huge uh, industrial-sized tubs of Vaseline that the teams have, which I don't even know why they have them, but they have this huge tub. I said to the trainer, give me one of those tubs of Vaseline and give me a bunch of those tongue depressors. And he goes, what do you want them for? And I said, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll be back in half an hour. So I went up to the booth and I coated the entire press box outside with Vaseline, the whole thing. And... I had a reporter, Glenn Reed from CBC, standing guard. He was down <laughs> behind the glass uh, watching to make sure no security came. And we got into the game. When Swift Current scored their first goal, they started beating on the booth, but they beat like one time. And then they got Vaseline all over their arms, all over their clothes. And I thought, ah, I got him. I didn't really think anything of it. And when the game was over, the Pats won, which I figured they would. And I'm doing the postgame show, and Curtis Hunt texts me, the coach. He's like, are you okay up there? Do you need some help? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Well, why would I need help? Because there's like eight guys at the bottom of the stairs waiting to kick the hell out of you when you get off the air. I'm like, oh, I never thought about that. I said, yeah, you better get up here. So Curtis came up to the press box, and uh, you know Curtis, what you do, gigantic man. He just said, you guys better get the hell out of here if you know what's good for you. So they all took off. We did the interview, and then we left, and then we went home, and I'm thinking we're going to win this series at home, not have to come back here again. We lose, and we got to go back to current for game seven. And all of a sudden, I'm getting flooded with death threats, and I'm forwarding them all to the RCMP. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't help. We couldn't find who the co- – like, they're like, if you come into Swift Current, we'll kill you, or you're leaving in a box, or you're whatever. It's kind of unnerving to get those emails. That's a big so, escalation for getting some Vaseline on a guy's jersey. Well, one guy had a sheepskin coat on. I believe I probably ruined it. And another guy looked like Hillbilly Jim. I think he still goes there. Big guy, overalls, big beard. Anyways. Yeah, he might still stand there, yeah. <laughs> I think he still does. So anyways, the RCMP calls the Pat's office and says, listen, we'll be at the rink when you guys get there at 5 We'll, you know, we'll meet Rod at the front door. So we did. We get to the rink. They take me straight to the press box. And the cop goes, don't leave. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So I sent, so I can't remember who, down to the media room to get my game notes and coffee and stuff. And I'm getting ready for the game. And in warm-up, this brick just comes, boom, like right past my head. And the, somebody threw a brick into the press box, into the booth. And I'm like, oh, my, oh, how's this going to go? And the security guy, who's like 85, comes up to, into the booth and he's like, listen, I saw who did that. You want me to throw him out? And I said, if it doesn't get any worse, I'm fine. But I it, it can't leave him. But it, if it does, don't, it can't get any worse than that. So we get into the game and Todd Struby, Pat's assistant coach, is in the box with me. 
the Pats score, he turns and starts beating on the box from the inside. And I grab his arm. I'm like, no, this is what started this whole thing. And then the Pats end up winning in overtime. Brett Luffler scored the winning goal. And by the time we got, oh, by the time we got out of the rink, everybody was gone. But before that game, people were bringing in baseball bats and hockey sticks and signs. They're like, Peter said, you're dead meat. And they're like tapping their sticks and bats on the concrete. I was a little scared, but I obviously made it out alive. So yeah. that's my that's my swift current stuff. It's hard not to laugh at that story because of the severity of it. But looking back on it now, it gets me every time. I, <laughs> I, that story, it reminds me a lot. Chris and I had the legend Bob Ridley on, and he told us off air about a story when he was just a young broadcaster. I think he was only about 18. And he was doing a senior game somewhere in Saskatchewan. And he said something that probably nowadays may have been very politically incorrect or something along those lines. But this was back in the 60s or 70s. And there was a crew waiting for him at the bottom of the stairs. And he pulled out an old metal microphone and cracked the guy over the head with it and then took off in his car before they could catch him. Don't we wish we could all do that? (laughs) Yeah, only Bob Ridley could get away with that. Crack a guy over the head and still end up in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, it was a different time. It was a different time. Well, let me ask you this. You guys interviewing me, do you get into it with fans now, with anything that you say? For me, I've actually had uh, one coach not to be named uh, who him and I have had a battle since Junior A days. He was a coach in Junior A when I was doing radio and and marketing in Melfort to, you know, the championship year in 2015. And he ended up, you know, transitioning to the uh, Western Hockey League, and I had to see far too much of him. And to this day, we still, if he passes me in the rink, he just, he, he won't look me in the eye. And it was to the point, and I remember our, he was mad about an interview we had done. We'd done an interview before game one, Melfort Weyburn. Weyburn was a wild card team. Now I guess I gave it away. But uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, whatever, people know this. Story. Okay. Anyway. Uh, I was, was going to say I was going to say Dean Brockman. No, so Dean I and I have a great relationship. Dean and I okay. Dean was one of my first coaches. Anyway, this coach yeah. at the time to be unnamed, but you can do the math. Uh, he did an interview with me before game one, and and it was some sort of I don't know. He, he was maybe trying to sandbag a little bit, but it was one of those interviews that just it was very negative and demeaning to his own team, and it wasn't received well by his executive or board, and he was quite rattled. Uh, you know, Melford ended up winning, and I think he regretted what he said, and it turned into a whole big thing where, you know, I wasn't allowed in the press box, and, you know, he was, you know, sent, you know, players coming up with scissors trying to cut my cord, and it just carried on to the point where finally near the end, uh, it was just, it was laughable. It was it was comical. But, you know, other than that, you know, fans, of course, when I replaced Bruce Lukey, he'd been there for a long time. You know, Luber, you guys have, you know, shared rinks for years it was a difficult transition, and you know everybody loved uh, Bruce. And when I came in, it was a lot of "Who's this guy? Get him out of here!" and that sort of thing. And there's still a few fans that chant "Bring back Luber" every once in a while. But uh, other than that, <laughs> no, it's been it's been pretty good. I think Chris is probably monitoring the message boards and social media might get more of the flack than I ever see. Well, but I mean, a lot of that is just like some like troll accounts every now and then. But honestly, our accounts have been pretty good. No, like, uh, and, and that's not even really a lot of my job. That's more than another, another, another guy in the office. Um, on my game day stuff, now that I'm up in the box doing the PA, like I do all my game day prep, go over with the game staff. And then by the time the doors open, I only have, you know, 15 minutes or so interacting with everybody and maybe the other coaching staff down low for a second. But then I'm up top. Before I was PA, when I was doing what I really should be doing, probably 
probably a lot more, which is director of game day operations. Uh, yeah, like there was a couple times, especially with the newest, with say like home openers. Um, there's a uh, one particular uh, team and one particular coach who's no longer in the league. Uh, had a couple run-ins with with him over the years because of the timing of the home opener or even the last game of the year, just knowing when his team's going to hit the ice and being very almost like upset about having to be delayed for any reason for anything besides like, you know, like, like if his his team wants to go at this time, he was so upset that he had to wait. But I mean, besides that it's, I'm a pretty easy guy to get along with. And no, I've never really had any real big run-ins to report. So it's a pretty easy goal. Would your Bo Levi Mitchell uh, kind of battle that you guys have have had between social media and on there? Would that be your biggest, most notorious oh. uh, battle that you've had over the years in your career? Uh, oh man, Brandon, I've had a million. <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> to say, I'm I sad. Wow, I had a battle with Jeffrey Orridge, the CFL commissioner, and which led to me being fired from the CFL website, and I was writing for it. But that that that, that nothing compares to Bo Levi. You're right. But that started innocently enough. It's sort of like you, Chris. You got in that fight with that coach. You were just doing your job. And in the case of, I mean, I think it's been very evident to people that I'm very close with the players, always have been. And since I've left, I'm even closer now because I don't have to answer to the coaches and GMs anymore or presidents and owners. But with Bo, if you remember that week, he had been trolling Deron Carter and Duran and I are exceptionally close. We still talk all the time. So, you know, that was Duran's first pro game starting at cornerback. And Bo's baiting him, saying, I'm going to throw at you all day. And, you know, you're nothing. And just the way football guys talk. And I just, you know, I think it bothered Duran. It was like he was, it was, it was online bullying, if you want to get right down to it. Harassment. And then Bo picks him off and returns it to the end zone in a game that the Riders won, and it just emotion just overtook me. And that's where it all started. I was like, Bo Levon, shut your mouth. And uh, three years later, he won't let it go. He still brings it up in radio interviews and, you know, calling me an idiot and calling me all these names. And then he gets his gray cup ring stolen out of his truck, which was unlocked. And I'm like, oh, I'm the idiot. Like, he literally makes it so easy. And But the one thing with my friends with the stamps, like, if you guys if you guys knew each other, you'd be best friends. And I'm like, I don't doubt that for a second. But we don't, and we aren't. So the stamps of, and the Lions and so, Bombers have all kind of, we've mended bridges oh, since I've left the Riders. I'm not sure I want to really mend it with Calgary because it's, to me, it's fun. Like we started this, it's fun, but some people's right. feelings get hurt. I think Bo's feelings are legitimately hurt, you know. So I can't. What are you going to do? It's it's awesome. I love it. I well, I do too. <laughs> so again, we're going to go back here talking about the Wee Kings to bring it to bring it, to bring it back. When you think about your history of again covering and talking about what Krim has done over the years in terms of uh, GM and some of the big trades, what are some of the biggest moves that you think that he's made that has, that has impacted the franchise? Well, I talk uh, about this a lot. Jesse Gabriel, for one, um, are you you're a Brandon boy, Chris? Uh, I'm originally from Russell. Uh, and then grew up oh. a little bit uh, in Winnipeg for teenage years and then all over the place with broadcasting. But yeah, met, 
Manitoba. Basically a lifelong, lifelong Wheat Kings fan. And yes. Manitoban, like you said. Yeah, yeah. Listen, <laughs> I, guys, how much time do we have? I remember Tim, Tim Tisdale in 1999 when he was the coach of the Pats, the guy who scored the overtime winner for Subcurrent in 89. He said, if Kelly McCrimmon calls you for a trade, don't answer it because <laughs> you're not going to win. And I never forgot that. And that's always come up in my mind, like, because the Pats from time to time would make a trade, no matter what the, who the Pats GM was or ownership. But, but the Jesse Gabriel one comes to mind to me because he was a tremendous hockey player, as we all know. And, but I believe if you go back and check the news release for the Wheat Kings when that trade was made, or at the very least check the newspaper or CKLQ's website, Kelly said this is a great trade for Jesse, but more importantly, the Gabriel family. Because it was like, he was just, from what I understood, done dealing with the family. The way Kelly worded it, it was kind of funny. But the other one was Dustin Slade, that huge trade when we got him in 2004. You guys remember the Dustin Slade deal or anything about it? I mean, I think we traded five players for Slade. Three players and two picks or something. And it never he never ended his career for us, with us. The problem was that he did end up taking the Vancouver Giants to the Memorial Cup in Moncton, but you know, he's just that was he was a he was hard to handle too. So that was a big trade between the Pats and the Wheat Kings. Josh Harding, who would go on to set a Wheat Kings franchise record for shutouts, and let's be honest, you've had a few good goalies through there. But if you go and check the franchise record book right now, single season shutouts, Josh Harding either owns it or is tied for it. You know, and the unfortunate thing was um, that the, the Weekings didn't do anything that year. That was 2003. And then the one trade that didn't happen, 2010, Jordan Eberle. Like, I believe Kelly thought they had a deal done to acquire Jordan Eberle. And I think Colton Tubert, too. But Eberle was the prize of the deal. But it fell through. I think they woke up that trade deadline morning, which I believe it was a Sunday, and Brent Parker reneged on the deal or just thought that, thought better of trading Jordan to Brandon. The explanation I got was that he couldn't, Parker couldn't stomach seeing Jordan Eberle in a Wheat King jersey, which sounds like something that would happen. So, um, again, you're not winning a trade with Kelly McCrimmon, or at least in any of the ones that the Pats made, they didn't. The Blades might have agreed, the Braden Shen deal, when, uh, when the Blades hosted the Memorial Cup, what was that, 2013? Um, the Blades were pretty happy, with, I believe, with how that deal turned out. And for Braden to go home, he was a great blade. But, hey, there's nothing wrong with both sides winning a deal either. So here, here's one. Okay, so during this COVID uh, time off, I've had plenty of time. Now, I live out in the country, so I've got lots of stuff to do, mowing grass and animals and whatever else to keep alive. But I got bored one night. My wife was watching something on TV that I wasn't overly interested in. And I pieced together a Braden Shen trade tree. So I go back to that trade, uh, Braden Shen, and a third-round pick for Tim Magali, Ayrton Nickel, a first, a second, another first, and a CHL import pick. And I can trace that trade all the way to two kids that were drafted last year and two kids that just signed in Brandon, plus a 2021 draft pick that, they will, that, they just, or that they'll make next spring. So if you carry that forward from that year, Braden Shen, and you go through the trade tree to all the players and how it turned around and this guy flipped for that guy for this pick for that pick all the way down. So Braden Shen started it. And now there's two players born in 2004 
that are still uh, part of the Braden Shen deal. Yeah, that would be what you would call, I would think, a generational trade because it, land, it lasts for a generation. Well, and, so, and, and who are some of the big names on that list, Crow? Because I'm, if I'm not mistaken, okay. isn't like Nolan Patrick or Kale Clegg one of them? Because I'm, so pre- I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the year that the first rounders that, that uh, the Weekings got those two guys. So it started, Tim McGauley uh, originally won a championship with Brandon. Ayrton Nickel was flipped to Everett for Taylor Sanheim and Nick Walters. The first round pick was Jordan Paperni, who won a Weeking title. Uh, the second round pick, Jace Howerlick, won a title. The other first round pick, they traded to Victoria for Dakota Conroy, Jordan Fransu, and Kevin Sunder. And the import pick was Richard Nezerslev. So then you carry it on and go forward. Uh, of course, Fransu, Conroy were traded. Uh, for Sunder, Sanheim was traded again, and it just keeps going. It turned into Ryan Pilon at one point. Uh, other guys involved, Travis Child, Kate Jensen, who then were flipped again. Like, it just, it it never ended. As I followed this trade tree along, my wife's like, what are you doing? Why is this taking so much time? I said, because I can't, this doesn't stop. It just keeps going. <laughs> so a generational trade, to say the least, is uh, is arguably the best way to put it, Rod. I mean, uh, who are we talking to, Chris? We had someone on the pod uh, early on talking about making a deal with with Krim, and it was one of those things where uh, it, I can't remember who it was, but they said they'd made a mis- Krim had offered a sixth round pick, and whoever it was said, "Okay, so you said a fifth? and Krim said, "No, but it is now." Like <laughs> just in the phone conversation, the guy misheard him and said, "Okay, so." Uh, we're giving you a fifth, and he said no, but you are now. And no, you know, you know what it was? We're talking to Bob, really, I think. It was, it was, it was Madison Happ, but when, when, when Krim offered him the uh, a draft pick, uh, or sorry, he offered Krim, he said, how about a fifth or a sixth? He said, okay, so a sixth then? <laughs> yeah, so, like, why would you even? <laughs> Give him an option. Give yeah. him an option. Yeah. yeah. Well, the one thing, you know, amongst other WHL teams, Kelly's something of a mythical figure. I've never ridden a bus with him. But what we've all heard was even back in the 90s, uh, Kelly was watching VHS tapes of all the other games, like every game that went on in the dub, because you guys got all the extra time on the bus. And then it turned into DVDs and later on computers that Kelly watched every single game. So when he was of other teams, so when he was making a trade, he knew exactly what he was getting. And I will guarantee you, no general manager that I've ever been around did that or had, or just, you know, he didn't need to rely on his scouts in that area because he saw them himself. He knew exactly what he was getting, mm-hmm. you know, and not to mention the countless hours scouting too. So I think every team as part of the reason why I had a professional dislike for Kelly was that you want a GM that's going to stay up at night, like not, never sleep because all he thinks about is winning. That's what I would think any fan wants. And from what I hear, you guys would know the Shaworskis that own and operate the keg across the street from uh, Westman Place. Um, they, they tell me how popular and revered Kelly is in, in Brandon because the fans appreciate what that team's been like since he took over. Well, the uh, which year was it? Was it uh, whatever? My The one year, the last year that they missed the playoffs, it was I think my third year. That was last year, right, Chris? Um, yeah. It was just the third time since I have been alive that they had missed the playoffs. So well, I said that one time on the air, and I all my phone just blew up. Nobody believed me. They were like, "Come on!" I said, "Yeah." Like, look at the go to the Wikipedia page and look at it. Like, they have missed the playoffs three times since I was born in 1991. Like, it was just, it's unbelievable. And I think Brandon fans, some of them, 
maybe don't realize how lucky they are because other organizations, they've got the ups and the downs and the roller coasters, whereas Brandon's done a pretty good job of always just staying the course. Now, that kind of leads me, you, you touched on the mythical kind of creature that uh, is Kelly McCrimmon. I don't know if you're going to use mythical creature, but I know what you were getting at. Uh, <laughs> I Bill said Andrews, mythical, you said creature. Creature. <laughs> oh, great. Great. My phone lights up. Uh <laughs> I talking to Phil Andrews today. Now that's big news at a Regina. I know Chris and I wanted to ask you about this uh, early on in my career. When I got the job, I had met Phil a few times when I got the job in Brandon. Uh, of course, Kelly had just moved on to Vegas, but Phil said to me, you're lucky. You no longer have to walk up those stairs and knock on Kelly's door because that's the longest, most terrifying walk of any visiting broadcaster in any rink. He said, you're lucky. You don't have to deal with that. Now, unfortunately today, Phil stepping down as the voice of the Pats uh, to pursue some some family time. I know he's got a ton of kids and, and wants to spend some more time with his family. Uh, you know Phil well uh, and have and had a great relationship with him. That hurts the Pats organization and hurts oh, the Western Hockey League. I like the comment from John Paddock in the news release today that said Phil has been a very filled in a very important role with the Pats in John's time there. I think it was nine seasons the news release said, and I, I mean I was around when Phil first came to the city. And um, it's been exciting times the last few years. The Memorial Cup, going to the league final for the first time since 1984. Uh, everybody was dialed into those broadcasts with Phil. Um, I had heard last week, because it is still a small town, that Phil has sold his house. It was from his neighbor. I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, are we talking about the right guy? And it's like, oh, no, no, yeah, he's done. He's uh focusing on families going back to Saskatoon. And I'm like, oh. And I texted Phil today when the news came down, and I said, there's nobody better in that role than you. But if you're happy, I'm happy for you. And he said he appreciated it. Um, but the fans love him. Um, you know, that whole join the regiment thing that the Pats got going on, he's a huge part of the franchise. And I would be extremely difficult to replace. So, yeah, hats off to him. I just, you know, I think, Brandon, you've gotten to know him well enough that as good as a broadcaster he is, he's just a super guy, yeah. like a rock solid. He's the kind of guy that if he's telling you something, you can take it to the bank, which that means the most to me. So, yeah, pretty big news in Regina today. The thing with Phil I found is that a lot of rinks, you know, and you remember this, you've got your routines. A lot of rinks, I like to just get my stuff. You know, I'll say hi to you guys in Regina down in there. There's a couple of the great uh, ushers slash media guys that I love chatting with, but I usually try and make it quick, go upstairs, have a have a little – soda and, and get into the game but in Regina I am pushing it because I sit with Phil until like five minutes before I have to go on the air because I don't want to do the broadcast because I'm having such a good time just shooting the breeze with Phil I keep looking at my watch going ah, a couple more minutes I can stretch it I've done enough prep on the bus I can just stretch this conversation a little bit longer and there's not many guys in the league that uh, that I have that much time for and uh, Phil another guy that you know when I first started uh, he had plucked Daniel Fink out of the SJHL who is now with the Manitoba Moose. And and Fink and I were kind of starting at the same time, our careers. And when Fink left to go to Regina, I really started to follow the Pats and, and appreciate what Phil did on the radio. So, again, I was sad when I saw it today. I texted him, too, and I said, you know, it's too bad. There's big shoes to fill. But uh, that's probably the big off-season news of the Western Hockey League because there's not a lot going on right now. <laughs> uh, so far, and it's interesting, by the way, because when the dub announced – Two weeks ago now that they were going to play, right, starting October 2nd, 68-game schedule. Like, I'm a season ticket holder. I go to every game that I can. I get to Moose Jaw as often as I can. I just love it. It's my favorite league. So I texted Phil. I'm like, congratulations on the season going. And he wrote me back, uh, not so fast. 
And I'm like, what? But I kind of got sucked in as a fan, right? I, we're all just waiting for some good news. And Phil's just like, there's a lot of hurdles and roadblocks. And probably by then he knew he was going to leave anyways, but he, he didn't tell me in that conversation. I sure hope the WHL's playing. That's all our plan. But now that he says that, I can see it. I mean, there's news going around tonight. You might have seen it that there's a second virus brewing in China or that you know, the WHO saying the worst is yet to come from coronavirus. So I'm just fingers crossed praying that there is WHL hockey. Uh, you're right. It is the biggest news. And um, that's a pretty bleak offseason for news if that's the, that's the case. But I think you're right. Chris, I was going to ask you from your perspective in the office, since that press release, and I and we'll get Rod to touch on this too, have fans been calling in the office and, and are, are fans as optimistic that you're talking to or that you or Dilly or those guys are talking to? What are, what are the weekend season ticket holders? I know what they're saying at the coffee shop. Rod, I, I took a part-time job at the Verdon Golf Course, uh, just hanging out with the morning breakfast crowd and driving the beer cart. So I get all the old season ticket holders that want to talk weekend hockey from out in farming country. But what are they saying in the city, Chris? Are they as optimistic as everybody else or are they pessimistic what do you what do you feel well it's kind of funny you bring that up i was going to touch that just the end with news and notes reminding people but you know what the phone lines they've actually been fairly steady like since that announcement came out we haven't done the official ticket relaunch yet like from the from the club standpoint we reached out to and this is something that we when it all started we said let's take this time to do the stuff that we always say we never have time to do and a lot of that is just talking to your season ticket holders who you know that is your customer base and the people you want to keep happy and you want to hear from so we literally set out and we called every single person just to say hi just to touch base update data and not to sell a thing and we still haven't done that and even just announcing that we pushed back the early bird deadline which was supposed to be last week we still had a number of people calling in and still multiple a day. I, I even today, I bet you another three, four people uh, called in and renewed like multiple season tickets. Because um, now that you know the 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 WHL has announced the return to play, people want that positive thing to look forward to. Like you know, like they. Like you just said, Rod, is, you know, for a lot of people, it's like their favorite thing to do in the winter. Like that is the social outing. That's just how they interact and what they want to do. Um, so a lot of people just want to secure that or say, hey, you know, just I, I, I want to do this. We have that refund in place for last season. If the season does get delayed and, and things change, like we say, like, you know, at, at that time, we're going to be addressing it. But as of right now, the WHL, they've set that date. We want to stay positive. We want to, you know, proceed as if that is going to be the time that it happens. Um, and with that said, the Week Kings, like, we're going to be announcing, like, a lot of teams uh, in the next coming weeks and now announcing like, a bit of a relaunch of a season ticket strategy and just more promotion telling people, you know, like, make sure to, you know, secure your tickets now. Um, but even at this point, when we get back to hockey, there's going to be certain attendance things that in terms of season tickets and actual seats, because the big thing with the early bird deadline, a lot of teams, it's you secure your seat and you hold that seat. Well, if we start up in October and the government tells you you can do 50% for the first month or two or whatever that number is going to be, that's going to affect a lot of people who have had that same seat for a lot of years and, and a lot of shuffling. So there's a lot of work like that that in the computer system side of things, we just can't do yet. So, you know, we can talk to people. We, we, we love that we can 
process it and get them in the system. That way, as soon as this does happen, we can put it into the computer and this crazy algorithm that the ticketing systems are all working on now can can do these different things with helping you know put people in the right spots. So there's a lot of people getting uh, paid in higher positions than me working on that kind of stuff. But from the fan standpoint, they're just excited that there's a date, that there's something in mind, that, that, that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. They can get back and they can start watching hockey again and just get back to somewhat normal life. And I know that even the last couple of weeks, like, Rod, I don't know how it is out there where you are, but here our uh, minor baseball just started, which, again, thank you for coming on uh, starting at 8.30 here. Normally we do a little bit earlier, but, uh, you know, thankfully we have minor baseball, and I and I coach my son's uh, uh, peewee team. Um, you know, and just getting out with the, the, the kids even doing that, it just feels so good again that just – life is getting back to normal. So I think that's the takeaway with the fans. They're, they've been really positive. We're getting upwards of half a dozen a day. Um, so it's been actually fairly consistent. But again, our numbers here are very low. And I think people are a lot more optimistic here than if, say, we were playing in like South Florida. Yeah, but you still play in a league that has Seattle and Vancouver. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> no, know? no, so, no, that is that no, is no, true. I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. My 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 point is that it's it's a problem. And um, who would have ever thought, hey, Brandon, the SJ and the MJ would be ahead of the game. You know, they don't, you know, the MJ specifically doesn't have to leave the province. The SJ teams only have to, to go to Flin Flon. I don't necessarily know what's going to happen there, but it is a bit of a problem that six regions are represented in the WHL. I don't know how it's going to go. And it's funny, Chris, with, with you saying that, think about that 40-year season ticket holder couple that wants to sit together. It's like, are you going to be told you got to be six feet apart? Because I'm pretty <laughs> sure Fred doesn't want to be apart from Martha. He hasn't been for 40 years. Our suite, our seats are in a suite. Six of us, it's two, two, and two in a suite. And I've been saying to my buddies, uh, I don't want to separate. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I'm, I'm, I appreciate what you're saying there from the office headaches. Because nobody ever really thinks about that, and I didn't think about it till you said it. Well, so like just, just like I, like yeah, like like yeah, you think about the fifty percent again every second row, and yeah, if you have people who can't go within six feet of each other, that means you can only have people on the ends of the rows because you can't have them crossing each other. So now you're talking about two households per row, and it's just you're filling up the <laughs> it's arena. Lit- it's it's all over the place. So, but that's the way that you know how the government tells you how it's going to do. And and when I talk about this, of course, I am not on the league level, right? So when I say what I'm about to say, this has no bearing whatsoever. But I. I would like to see the league even have a proposal that would maybe say, like you talked about the borders, that it's a Manitoba, Saskatchewan somewhat playing a lot more at the start of the year, just to guarantee some games. Just to, I, if, if there's ever a one year where it's like, okay, things are going to be really weird with us maybe not playing the U.S. or B.C., there's a lot of logistics of why that needs to happen from the terms of scouts to see all the players and 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 just for the balance of the competition. But if there's ever a one year to make an exception to have hockey played locally within and then maybe at the end of the year then having for the first time some kind of an expanded playoff or something including other teams, I don't know if that's been discussed, but uh, I'm sure it has. But uh, at this point, that was not in the announcement. And I think that that would maybe be a little bit more optimistic, but I know that creates a lot more headaches because everything was already kind of scheduled and they're just kind of pushing it back by two weeks, I believe. 
Rod, I wanted to wrap up. I mean, as we've taken probably enough of your time here on this oh, Monday night, episode 25 of the Weekly Harvest, a presentation of Q Country, the Wheat Kings and West Bank Communications Group. Got to throw a plug in there. No, no free ads for anyone. Uh, but, Rod, your journey and, and obviously one of the things aside from sports that I think a lot of people in Saskatchewan, I mean, I spent five years in Melford, and, and like I, you know, you talked about Krim being a mythical type guy. And I mean, from a broadcaster perspective, the walls of CJVR and CK750 in Melfort, where I got my start, I mean, there's a little dial on the wall next to the desk that can tune into different radio stations, and you can hear at your desk what's going on. That newsroom and sports department was always had 620, had the sports cage on. But, you know, aside from that, I think the biggest part of your following is, especially lately, is, is the recovery aspect and the mental health aspect. And I think... No, I wanted to touch on it. Chris and I have kind of made a vow that we wanted to keep the Weekly Harvest going because we wanted to give people an outlet, uh, a way to get away from real life, the the negativity of the news, the CNNs, the Twitters. And they can have an hour or two to talk about hockey. From your perspective in the, in the mental health world and, and trying to just keep your head on straight, what are some of the things maybe you and, and I know you know your wife, you got a couple of daughters and maybe some friends and neighbors, what have you been telling them and, and other people that just try and keep their head above water during this strange time? Well, um, you know, we're at 100 plus days. I'm, I'm not sure what the actual count is now. I was telling a lot of people early on some of these tips, Brandon, and I'm glad you asked. Some people grasped them and ran with them, and I'd like to report they're doing well. Some weren't listening because they were just panicking. And I, it was human nature. They'd lost their job. They didn't know how they were going to pay their bills. Like, it's, this is a very scary time. But the one thing that I learned in my own recovery, five years into recovery, I'm five years in now. I learned it early on was what you can control. You can't control a lot of the things that are going around. Figure out what it is that you can control. That should be probably the first thing. Um, it's as simple as like a guy told, I see this all the time. Some guy said, I get so upset at what I see on social media. Well, you know, why do people go off on Trump? Why do people go off on Trudeau? Why do they go off on gays? Why do they go off on blacks? I'm like, you can't control any of those people. Yeah. So either turn your phone off or learn how to deal with it. But a lot of the stress that people are dealing with is self-created, Brandon. Right. And it's just you, know, you can call it habits. The term is brain pathways. But we're just used to doing a lot of certain things that aren't there right now. So if you can like literally because I can see from a mile away. If I can control a situation or not, and usually I can't, the only thing you can control is your own attitude and how you deal with things. That would be the number one thing. Try and recognize, do I have any control over this situation? Um, whether it's in your work, whether it's in your personal life, a friendship or relationship, stuff like that. That would be number one. Number two, if you are struggling, uh, reach out to somebody. I was just with a mental health guy on Friday. And um, he had people getting up in his face saying, hey, I reached out for help and I got the door slammed in my face by my dad or by my pastor. I said, did you tell him don't quit? <laughs> like, keep asking because you'll find the right door to open. Oh, I should have told him that I didn't. So just don't be afraid to let the people in your life know that you are struggling. You can use some help because everybody, uh, when they say we're in it together, we really are. And um you know, try and stick to your routine and, uh, you know, get some exercise as much as you can. Get your mind off things. That's all. So th those are some of the things. Just realize what you control and what you can't. That should keep you busy. Yeah, that, that's that's a big change for enough people trying to figure out what they can control and what they can't. Because there's not much you can. I remember saying to my wife, you know, well, probably 50 days in, 
I said, do you know how lucky we are that we're now living on a 10-acre farm? You know, her, her parents are right there. We've got some animals. We've got a big lawn. We've got endless, you know, freedom to move around. I said, you know how lucky we are that we're not stuck in our apartment anymore? Because, you know, I, I know had had this all happened when I was in a 600-square-foot apartment with a, a deck the size of my desk, I would have probably had a hard time not jumping off of that deck because you just don't have, like, you just feel cooped up. So I know there's a lot of people uh, that are listening or, or maybe, you know, you're right, you, you lost your job or you're stuck in your apartment. You don't have the freedom to do what you want. And uh, you're right. You got to reach out and you got to find a way to get through it. And that's why we do what we do. That's why I love watching the, the Rod Peterson show on Facebook because it's fresh. It's fun. It's, it's sports talk that, has really no politics you guys are laughing and joking about the korean baseball league and i found myself in the clubhouse the other day at the golf course i was turning on the tv trying to find the korean baseball league because of you guys so uh, well, i appreciate you. what you guys are doing and, wait uh, wait you guys do the tv watch. show on facebook there rod because i know that like i've checked out your website i was going to give it the plug you go to rodpeterson.com and i know i've listened to the podcast there before but uh there's a video one i, I haven't seen that it's the, the best part it's just like it's this. Live well, when, uh, every day. Not like ours is working live. tonight, though. <laughs> live every day, uh, 10 a.m. Mountain, 10 to noon for two hours. And actually, come Thursday, we're live on the Game Plus Network nationally in over a million homes uh, on television. Hey, congratulations. Yeah, thank Well, it was supposed to be April 8th, but the coronavirus pandemic screwed that up. But it is available in Manitoba. On is it Bell MTS? Is that a television yeah. cable subscriber? That's there the, no, available? no, no. There is no other TV station around here besides <laughs> Westman <laughs> TV. There <laughs> is there's there's Q Country and Westman Cable Rod. That is all that we have available in Brandon. No free ads, Rod. No, no, no free, free ads for anybody else. Check. You can get Game Westman. Network on Westman. I know we can. I have it. There you go. Yeah. So it's on uh, <laughs> Game Plus Network. Game Over Plus. A million homes and and in the United States on Cablevision beginning on Thursday. So it's a pretty big watermark day for us yeah well rod uh, again appreciate you doing this i know we covered a ton of topics we were kind of all over the map but uh we had some fun and uh, again i uh, really appreciate what you and, and dupes and producer clark and those guys put together every day to to give a little bit of reprieve from the negativity in life and cover some of the sports that everybody else just seems to ignore so i uh, appreciate you doing this and, and best of luck moving forward really appreciate it guys a lot hope to see you in the ring soon this fall it would be fantastic. That's Rod Peterson on the Weekly Harvest Podcast. Uh, now, Crow, I am having, again, because of the video problems here, I just switched it over to you. If you okay. can take control from here. So I'm going to awkwardly remove Rod. Bye, Rod. <laughs> See, See you, Rod. Thank Thanks you. Thanks a lot. Uh, okay, so there goes Rod. So it's you and me. Uh Loved it. Episode 25. This uh, technology. So I got to say, thank you people who stuck around this long. The audio, it would have got way, way better at one random point there. Uh, once we turned off the whole video feed with, with the internet coming from where you are, it just seemed to be like night and day difference. All of a sudden, both the mics sounded really clear. So it's a podcast. That's weather. why we made the call, right? So we're going to blame it on the weather, uh, not on the not not on any other thing this you week. You can't so. see out this window, but there is a big dark cloud rolling in over my shoulder. So I imagine if you peeled back those curtains behind Ooh, you, Chris, too, the you know what? might I, be rolling in, too. I didn't even look, man. Yeah, for a while, looking out the front window, it is starting to get like a weird color, that gray-green again. 
So that uh, being said, it's been some again, interesting weather, and yeah, so we've got some more weather coming on up. So depending what your day you're listening this to, uh, it doesn't really matter because all this week and even beyond, like this is the thunderstorm season, and so I, I don't think we talked about this on air. It might have been off air. We were talking beforehand, but so. On the weekend, I was just north of Alexander, south of Rivers, and out in the open, and we were down at the Little Saskatchewan, sitting in the river because it was so hot. By the time we got down there, all of a sudden the sun was gone and the clouds started to roll in, and it was the craziest rolling clouds overhead. We booked it back. We're hiding out in a shed, and we made the call, looked at the radar, like, hey, we're going to leave now. And thankfully we did, because there was all kinds of tornado warnings right shortly after, and it's some it's some scary weather. And the point I'm making is, that was the beginning of it, and if you look at the radar and what they're talking about, this is going to be happening. We record this on Monday night. They're calling for it tonight, for tomorrow night, all the way through to Thursday night, even some more big storms potential. So wherever you are, stay safe, stay local, keep it locked to Q Country, keep it locked to Star FM. Uh, they're going to do their absolute best to keep you up to date of what's going on there yeah um, great job dan ali trent leanne uh, jamie you know tyler everybody that's part of the westman communications group family uh, yourself i know you were voice tracking a ton of stuff and it's tough to voice track i know some of your stuff might have been uh you know maybe booted off to guys going live right away which you know that only happens in serious emergency situations so but, our guys have done a great job and, and you know what and that's kind of a whole breaking the fourth wall that you brought up yeah. so I'll, I'll elaborate just a touch for the listeners if they were interested so everybody on the radio station is live but there's some shows where yes if it's on say like a weekend night maybe the last couple hours or so i could pre-record them so but in this case there was live bodies sticking around and they were intercutting with what was going on when the storms happened and if and if i was here like i said i I was out of town and then by the time i got back they were already there doing what i would have been doing which is driving to the station and going live anyway so um they you're right though so i don't deserve the kudos for this time in the past i've done that though but not this time this time it's all up to them but no they stay late uh, keeping people informed so um keep it locked locally so it's 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 going to be like this for the next little bit but if it happens again tonight at least i got my kayak i'm going to take the boys out and we're going to take some cool fishing photos out in front of the place here I finally got my fishing boat water ready, so I'm ready to, to paddle away to safety if I have to. Uh, but perfect. Other news from the WHL uh, tomorrow, big day uh, for off-season news-wise. It's the 2020 CHL import draft, uh, so that would be Tuesday if you're listening, June 30th, depending on what day you're listening to this. Uh, the Brandon Weekings will make their first selection at 39. Uh, that will be their first selection, and then into the second round, Brandon will pick at 99, barring any trades. So. Uh, realistically, Brandon can select two imports with Marcus Kelly and Kelly being a signed prospect of the Vegas Golden Knights. There is room. They'll have time. They can have three imports on the roster until they know what's going on with Marcus and his professional plans. Uh, being a European, he can play in the American Hockey League whenever that season gets going. So, Brandon, by the looks of it, will make two selections tomorrow in the import draft. That starts uh, at 10 a.m. Brandon time. Mm-hmm. The first overall pick will be North Bay. Uh, the highest Western League team to pick will be Swift Current at number three. They released Matei Toman and Sergei Alkamov today, so it looks like they're going to make two picks and go ahead with two new Euros. It's so always Brandon- interesting when you look at the list and then teams who pass in the first round, and, and you kind of look at their roster, and of course, like if they're set, they're set. But uh, this is kind of a different draft than, than, than of course, you know the, the other one. In, in the sense that, two, it's... You don't always know what you're getting, and sometimes it's a European from Europe, and sometimes a European who's already played a bit of North American hockey, and uh, it just seems like 
this one, it's just you never ever know how it's gonna go. Like there's never a ranking. There's there's never like a pre-draft list where they say look out for for these guys. I've never seen one of those for for this draft. Have you? Uh, the the odd time on Twitter, if you follow the right guy, they'll say, "Hey, this guy might be a possibility." But think of it this way: a couple weeks ago, when we were talking to to, to Sanheim and Kaspik, Tanner Kaspik said when Ivan Provorov came to camp, nobody had a clue who he was. They thought he was just some guy that was playing junior A in the U.S. and he turned into one of the best defensemen Brandon's had in the last decade. So uh, all of a sudden, you, you you bring in a guy that you have to Google and maybe google translate some of his stats because of where he came from and all of a sudden boom he's a cult legend in your franchise so uh again it's a it's a it's a more of a situation of who you know who you who can help you whether you know from a brandon perspective different alumni playing in europe that have watched guys they've got you know kelly and and his guys between darren Ritchie and other scouts darren spent all those years in europe he's got uh, people to talk to mark Lego. he's got old teammates and friends over in europe don mcgovery has been in the game a long time as well dave lowry uh, they've all got connections, and it's a matter of, of having the right guy in the right place. So that all goes tomorrow. Uh, I will, m- for the most part, be tweeting it out uh, and kind of keeping from a cute country perspective in the loop of what's going on. I'll try and get some quotes later on in the day as well. But uh, that is kind of the only other news going on. And the last piece I wanted to touch on, and, and Rod touched on it a little bit, uh, if you have been following along, obviously the CHL and the Western Hockey League, it's been some some kind of negative news uh, going on, and we don't want to get too far into it. It's very political uh, with the hazing and the abuse and the bullying uh, that is slowly coming forward. And, and it's the Lethbridge Hurricanes have a couple of players involved in this, the Sarnia Sting and, and a couple of other claims and whatever else. But they, the league and the Canadian Hockey League did put out a statement a couple of days ago. Uh, they do cover a number of things. And the thing that you know, I really take away from it is is the CHL saying, you know, we are deeply troubled by these allegations um, but they do not believe that they're indicative of the way the players are treated today. Regardless of that timing of these allegations, they are taking the claims very seriously, and they will be an independent review uh, of the situations in question. So we know hockey in the past, there's obviously been several you know, high-profile incidents of hazing and everything else that goes on. And you know, from a Brandon Waking perspective, sure. Before my time, yeah, probably happened. Maybe not to that extent, but, you know, there's always the, the, the rookie initiations, making them load the bus and making them fill the water bottles and pick up pucks after practice and kind of all that uh, first-year guy type of, of thing. And, and certainly some cases it's, it's crossed the line. But, you know, that's, in my experience, riding the bus, being around the locker room, being around the guys, you know, it, it's certainly uh, uh, kind of more, probably more of a thing of the past. But... Again, if you don't see it and you don't know it, uh, it could be happening. And, and certainly the CHL and the Western Hockey League are, are wanting to put an end to this right now because that is unacceptable and it can't keep happening. Well, it, it quite obviously was a thing of the past, um, you know, hearing all these stories. And, and they are horrific. And things that, like, I mean, I've, I've heard hazing stories growing up in, in, in multiple sports. I mean, hazing is a part of even, like, you know, watch movies and, like, when people join fraternities, right? Like, that's, yeah. it's kind of, an, like, anything when you have an initiation to get into something. But the claims that are put forward, they are, they are beyond that. It is, it is, is horrific stuff. Um, and even you talked about, like, like here, I mean, I've been with the team now for five seasons. Um, they even stopped making the rookies load the bus in the last yeah. two years just to like, and and that was like 
so little on the scale, right? But why would you even want to separate anyone on your team to make them feel different if you're trying to if you're trying to be one cohesive unit? So I thankfully know that those days are not anywhere. I, they did not happen in Brandon, thankfully, in all these allegations. Um, and you talk about just like the impact that that Krim has. Uh, we talked about it with Rod over the years. I mean, this is a team that's that that's that's built on real values. Uh, I mean, hard work ethic. Um, this is not something that would ever happen under his regime. Um, and even now, like I said, the last few years, even now I make the rookies carry the bags. And that was the last thing the rookies had to do the last couple of years. Just clean up the pucks, do the yeah. bags. And they stopped doing that. They're like, why are we? It's so those days, thankfully, are gone. Everyone's an equal because that's the way it should be on the team. You're a team. You're one team. So, yeah, and yeah the, the allegations that, are horrific. The, the thing that really, you know, opened my eyes uh, to, you know, the culture in Brandon was early on in training camp with head coach Dave Lowry. Uh, I posed a question to him and, and referred to rookies. I said, you know, with a rookie lineup of rookies or something along those lines. And he stopped me. We stopped the interview and he said, no. We don't call them rookies in this organization. And he said, any reference to them will be as young player, first-year player. We don't call them rookies because there's a negative connotation to that. So uh, from a Dave Lowry perspective, and, and especially this past season, um, you know that was, that was something – it seems so small on the scale, but in the grand scheme of things, um, just, trying to, just trying to get better one, one day at a time. And, and the CHL and the Western Hockey League certainly – uh, I think putting the right foot forward, putting an independent review panel. There should be, and there, and there, figure and, it out, and get there, to the bottom of and it, and there, and there should have been a long time ago. Like, like allegations and stuff like this are not new. And I, I mean, when you go back over the years, there's been a lot of horrific stories, and it's not always involving hazing. Um, you know, like across the league, and you don't want to like get into that right now on this podcast. But yeah, like this is something that the league gladly probably should have done a while ago, but very glad to hear that they're doing it now. Yeah, and I mean, the only thing with us uh, of hazing is that I made Perry buy me breakfast the first time we had him on the podcast. So, I mean, if if me making Perry drop 25 bucks at Smitty's is hazing, well, I guess I'm guilty of it. Whoa, whoa, I mean, hold on. He bought you breakfast? Yeah, this was uh, oh, this was early on. I, you were doing something. I can't remember what was going on. It was, yeah. But it, it was the first time he'd opened his wallet ever, and it was made of Velcro, actually. He had to open the Velcro. Moths flew out of it, actually. So, <laughs> so we're almost but, at an hour and a half, so we're going to wrap it up yeah, here. But before we up. go, uh, speaking of Perry, he came in the office and after he was texting us. So we called him out last week on the fact that on the conference call, he had his giant goatee, um, and he didn't have his mute button. So he texted us, and he called us a certain couple names for, for calling him out on that. Anyway, he came in the office, and he's and, he, and he's all shaved up and ready to go. Um, again, kudos to him for that series. We're going to have him on in the next couple weeks to do a recap of his championship uh, uh, series of all the writing, uh, talk about his alumni series, and what he has planned next. I don't want to talk about it now, because he just told us what he's... Th- I don't know if he's 100% confirmed, but it's going to be awesome. So we're going to get him on the podcast next couple of weeks as well. We have confirmed that uh, Darren Millard, of course, massive Wee King fan, we we love we love Millard. He's uh, down at Vegas Golden Knights, uh, their TV guy, but of course he is uh, one of the biggest Wee King. If you all have him on Twitter, he's one of the biggest Wee King fans there is, so very excited to have him on. And we've actually got some more guests that we're having lined up here. 
Yeah. Uh, is, is Darren coming on uh, next Monday? Is that the plan? We still had to confirm that. So if Darren can confirm, we're going to talk to him. And if not, then I think Perry said that, that he would, or we're going to flip them. But those will be for the next two weeks for sure. Yeah. And I've reached out uh, as well to Wade Redden. I had a lot of people say after the Marty Murray one, they wanted to hear from Wade Redden. And I know uh, Chris Dingman as well has, uh, has reached out. We've talked uh, a couple of times on, on Twitter through direct messaging. Uh, he wants to jump on and tell some stories as well. So uh, we've got some people in the queue. Uh, stay locked to all the social media channels. We'll keep you in the loop as to who's the guest each week. And uh, again, I appreciate Rod coming on this week. This was fun. For sure. Uh, and a bit of a different look, and it was, it was good. And if you have if you have any suggestions uh, for the show, people you want to hear from, let us know. You can drop us a quick email. It's qweeklyharvest at gmail.com. The letter qweeklyharvest at gmail.com. We'll be live again next Monday. Um, oh, as I say that, oh, Crow. You what? know what? We're live. We'll talk whatever. We'll just do this. We're on the podcast. We'll just talk. Hey, next Monday night, it is our first game in the league, but we play in Hamiota at 6.30. I'm going to have to uh, either have to push the pod to another time or it won't be live next week. So we'll have to update yeah. the people listening. You know what? If you listen this whole time, might as well be honest with you. So the, that's just the case. Yep. I coach well, my kids we'll ball. Out. Um, every, gotta... other, every other week we could do it later. But yeah, this Monday is our one away game. And it's the Monday night, unfortunately. Yeah, in Hamiota. Okay. Well, we'll we'll figure it out. Uh, we have yep. the power technology. We've had uh, we've had people from Europe. We've had people uh, down in Vegas. We've had people from all over. So if we have to have you on the pod from a back of a minivan in a pasture near Hamiota, we can make it work. That would be. You know what? We we should stick to the Monday night, and I could do it from the dugout because it pretty much be when the game is over. So maybe we can do like 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 even a bit of a post game with 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 the Brandon Blue Jays and the Hamiota Red Sox. Classic Blue Jay Red Sox, too. I'm pretty sure it's the Hamiota Red Sox, right? That is that is yeah. uh, senior ball. They 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 love their ball in Hamiota. So. Oh, I I know they do. We when we made provincials a couple years ago, it was in Hamiota, and uh, yeah, that was that was a serious team. <laughs> they uh, they love their ball there. They do. Uh, best of luck, Chris, and we'll figure it out. We'll let you know. We'll figure it out. Locked social media uh, again for those of you that listen to this via the podcast, Spotify, Apple. Uh, wherever you get it, uh, Weekly Harvest, episode 25, uh, available tomorrow after lunch. Or on QCountryFM.ca, and of course the YouTube. Apologies for the video this week, but it's all about the audio anyway, so have a great week. Stay safe, stay local, stay tuned for any updates. Stay safe. Cheers. See ya.